everybody from around the world. We are back. It is What the Football Podcast. I am your host, Conway. I'm obviously joined from Melbourne after a lovely Easter break. Well, a lovely Easter break for some. While well, continue to struggle, teams did not produce the performances and results that they required. It was all in Manchester, and Rudds was the first to let us know about that scorching winner from Ronaldo, and of course, the man bags his idiot. Yes, that's right. Career hat trick. I mean, he does set some astounding numbers. Old uh, Ronnie boy himself. A good win for United away at Norwich. But of course, there was the earlier game. Spurs, surely they were going to take control of that fourth spot. But no, Brighton have done the job on them after beating fellow Londoners last week. They've gone away to Spurs and beaten them 1-0 with a late goal from Trossard. We then had a late affair again with Southampton taking on Arsenal. Arsenal, would they get back to winning ways? No, unfortunately, they've left Wade in absolute tears and agony with a third loss on the trot. It's really not looking for the Gunners as the pressure starts to build. At the bottom of the basement, we had Watford losing again to a late goal from Brentford. A 2-1 result there. Newcastle put in a solid performance. With their new signing from uh, January, Bruno, bagging two late goals to see out Leicester City 2-1. And, of course, we had a little bit of drama out at West Ham at the Olympic Stadium where they played out to a 1-1 draw against Burnley. Of course, there was plenty of FA Cup action, which we'll touch on in the show a little bit later. But we might start with the man that's smiling on the other side of the screen. Rudds, a hat-trick, a win. United are back, baby. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't really smiling during that game. United got three points against Norwich, and it wasn't away, it was at home. So that performance leaves me worried. You know, I think a message way to say, you know, don't, don't worry about the loss because you'll get uh, guaranteed three points against United the way United have been playing. So, and it's scary because now next up we've got Liverpool. So we play Liverpool, then Arsenal, then Chelsea. So it's... um. You know, there's there's some concerns in there. I think United, what they have in their favours, they do have match winners in the in the team, um, but what they don't have is a team. So when when they are up against it, um, they crumble. So you know they were cruising two 0 against Norwich, and it looked like it was one of those games where they're going to just sell through. But then you know Norwich get a goal back, and when the pressure's on, they start crumbling. So you know it's, it's not it's not it's not good signs, you know. But you know you take the three points, you hope that a miracle can happen over the next three games. If I if I'm honest with you, if I look at the fixtures, if United get four points out of those next three games, I'd be surprised. Um, you know, I'd, I'd I'd be I'd be happy with those four points, but I'd be extremely surprised because I don't I don't see them getting many. Well, I think that was one of the things I heard, Wade, um, and maybe you can chime in, but, you know, the Norwich game was obviously at the time watching the the City and Liverpool FA Cup game, which was at the same time, but United seemed to be cruising along 2-0. You look again and it's it's 2 all against a, a hapless Norwich. And I know you, um, at that stage, you're probably excited on your end, but, you know, they, they do have match winners. They have one of the, the greatest players in, in some people's mind of all time in Ronnie. And he steps up and produces that moment of magic. Do you think uh, maybe that will be enough to get United across the line, given the uh, the problems you guys are having out there at the Emirates? Yeah, I think United and Spurs both have those players in the team that you know can turn a match on its head when they're not necessarily playing very well, um, and that's where we're coming up short. You know, so um, I didn't actually I didn't catch the United game live. I did watch the highlights. It was on at the same time as the Arsenal game, so. You know, I was just looking at the scores. And yeah, I, was, I guess I was, I was in the same boat thinking 2-0, cruising to victory, Norwich at home. You know, this should be in the bag. But um, it wasn't the case. And, and that's that's been the story of um, of the season, really, for all the teams chasing top four. It's like, you know, teams aren't capitalizing, um, you know, when other teams drop points. And it's, it's almost a case, though, a case of who can be the least shit out of these teams chasing top four. And you can you can put West Ham in that category as well because they blew it against Burnley. It's 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 ridiculous. Like, seriously, watching this race, you just don't know what's going to happen. So, with, I mean, six or seven games left, honestly, 
any team chasing this top four spot could easily land up in the top four simply because it's just been so inconsistent at the moment. So, but Rudds is right. You know, they've, they've got a killer in Ronnie um, and Spurs have the same with Kane and Son. So I don't think it's about how you get the three points at the moment. It's just about getting the three points and, you know, getting into the summer in the Champions League spot and, and sort of, I guess, starting over again from there. But it's it's going to be an interesting race to watch over the next few weeks. Well, I want to, I want to stay with you, Wade. And I, I do want to play a little bit of a soundbite here from, uh, you know, the ex-pro uh, Shaka Heslop. And I want you to just, just give me a comment on what he's actually saying about this Arsenal team and whether you agree or not. Just, just Can you just sit back and hear it? Oh, my concern around Arsenal was that they maybe didn't have the result for this top four fight. You saw them lose at, at home to Brighton last week, a very good Brighton side, as they continue to show. A couple of weeks before, we saw them um, go to Salahus Park and, and, and lose to, to Crystal Palace. I, I thought that that game in particular showed Arsenal's frailties. A young squad in a very tight ground. And now, do not discount how much more difficult it is going to the stadiums where the fans are right on top of you. It's an experience get in modern, in modern stadiums. And I think that that told. And now what you're seeing from this Arsenal, where a few weeks ago we were praising some of their fights. Remember the discussion we had around, around them beating Wolves, Wolves going yeah. down to 10, and then the result against Aston Villa, where I, I thought they showed a level of fight that we haven't been able to see from Arsenal for a few years. This is not just so, Wade, I mean, care to comment on what Shaka is saying? Do you, do you think it's just, a, you know, a lack of two things by the sounds of what he's saying? Experience, we're just not ready for this fight at this stage. I do agree to a certain extent. You know, we do have the youngest team in the league. So, with that, you have to expect ups and downs. You know, they're going to learn from these from this experience uh, and they're going to be better for it. But for me, it's a lot simpler. We've lost... Three starting 11 players, three key players, right? We lost Tomoyasu, who's arguably been our best player of the season. Uh, we've lost Kieran Tierney, um, who is uh, you, you know, one of the guys you could make a case for being the next captain of the team. And we've lost Thomas Partey, who's the closest player we have to being a world-class player in midfield. We're a completely different team when Thomas Partey starts. And... The issue with us is we don't have the type of squad to replace those players with the like-for-like, you know, when one of those players goes down. So you really see the difference when Tierney goes down and you've got Tavares who comes in, young kid, first time playing in the Premier League. Um, Thomas Partey goes down and you've got Sambi Lekongo who comes in again, 21 years old, you know, coming from the Belgian League, still finding his feet. The drop-off is just too big for us to deal with. You know, and and that's been the issue, in my opinion, anyway. And it's not like it's not like the guys are shrinking and we're getting peppered by these teams and getting absolutely dominated. It's not the case at all. I might sound a bit like Radzia, but if you look at the underlying numbers over the last three games, <laughs> it hasn't actually been too bad. We're underperforming on XG. You know, we should be outscoring our opponents. So we're having sustained periods of attack. Um, you know, we're not we're not conceding, you know, chance after chance on the other end either. But unfortunately, we just don't have the squad capable of replacing our our main players when they get injured. And it's been no coincidence that since Party's um, gone down, we've looked a completely different team because he transforms us in midfield. So you know, that's the big um, that's the big mission, I guess, in the summer is to. Uh, to add to what we have now and, and create a squad that's going to be able to cope with a few key injuries. And that's, for me, being the main thing. Well, Rads, I mean, you had to cop a fair bit of abuse on the show, given what United's plight is. Are you, are you hearing a bunch of excuses coming from me? I mean, you were quite vocal in a January transfer window and you said you didn't replace Aubameyang. You didn't get someone to push you home. You didn't take the chance on the striker. Actually, that top four when you're in prime position do you think that's coming back to, to bite them or they're making some valid points around this? There's two players missing and it's affecting their flow. Yeah, look, I, I, I do take Wade's point about the value in the January transfer market. You just look at players like Kulisevsky and Benton Kerr who are performing well, but they are a risk. 
Um, so there's heightened risk in the January transfer market. But if Arsenal don't make the top four, I think it's an opportunity missed. I think they they could have, um, you know, dug in just for, you know, this exact situation. I don't really think Aubameyang himself is the miss here because there's always going to be this, the, the, the case where if you drop a few points, they'll start pointing to the goals. But if you don't, then no one, no one's been mentioning Aubameyang. Um, I think even Arteta said that, you know, you're only asking me this question now. Why won't you ask me when we're winning games? Um, and I think Aubameyang's time was up, but I think that replacement was there. So um, I don't know. I think if I'm if I'm an Arsenal fan, I'd be looking at it and just thinking, coulda, woulda, shoulda in the transfer window. But um, as United fan, I'm, I'm I'm surprised that United are still in with the shot. It's unbelievable um, the way this team's been playing, that they are still legitimately. In for a chance, but in saying that, you know, come next week, we may be well and truly away um, from any glimmer of hope um, if, you know, we get rightly spanked by Liverpool and Arsenal. Yeah, I think I think that's the interesting thing, and you said it before, but if you look historically at the fourth spot in particular, it is a bunch of teams falling over each other every year. And you go back even to last year, and I know Liverpool had their plight, but it was all the way. It was just teams falling over each other to eventually someone fell over the line at the end to get that fourth spot. The top three, you know, the top two, I would say in general leagues, there's always two teams that ultimately, you know, to some extent pull away in whatever era it was, whether it was Arsenal, United, whether it was United, Chelsea, whether at one stage it was City, United, now it's Liverpool and, and, and City. There's always two teams for me that stand out above the rest. Then you get this third spot that's kind of there. But fourth spot is the same every season. Teams mm. falling over each other and you can't pick who on earth is going to win it. Because every few weeks here, guys, we're discussing a new team. And, you know, I want to play another little soundbite for you guys from uh, our man over on the other side. You know, Arsenal's uh, most hated side. But, um, you know, he speaks about something from Spurs. And I, I want you guys to hear it. The, a lesson that we we can learn today that uh, there are games that if you are not able to go to win you are not to lose and it was very very clear that today it wasn't our day but I understand that we want to try to get three points because it was very important for us to get three points to play before of the other rivals in the race of the Champions League. Now, I think there was a very powerful point in what Conte said there. If you're not going to win, and it sounds very simple, but some teams are just gung-ho and go for the win at every cost. His mantra is, if you're not going to win and you feel like you're not in that game, take what you can, which is at least get a draw. Now, of course, Spurs didn't get that draw, Rudds, and probably, um, you know... Whether that point will come back to haunt them in the end, especially losing at home to Brighton. And we've always said Brighton is a quality team. I mean, what do you make of Conte? Is is he going to be the difference maker ultimately with that sort of mentality to get Spurs across the line? I, I think um, they are deserve favourites at this point because of Conte. Um, Wade's been saying it. Um, I think we all call it that he's... He's a quality manager, and he, he he's likely to you know to have this type of effect on them. And even the way he's talking after a loss, you know, it's the type of things you expect from a manager who's who's well experienced, and and the expectation is they come in and they and they push on. So, few few tough games for them to come. I know they played Brentford this week, and Brentford have been in some good form. Brentford um, are in solid form. Yeah. The, the return of Christian Eriksen. Um, and I think coinciding with their form, I think ever since Christian Eriksen's in their team, they haven't lost a game. So um, I think that's going to be a real good battle for them. Um, and, in, and we know, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's at Brentford. And you know, that's a, yeah. that is actually quite a tough um, ground. To tough yeah. Extremely it's tough. Quite yeah. close. The crowd is very vocal. So, you know, I think um, there's going to be a few more twists and turns. Um you know, there's there's some big games to be played, you know, this week um, by Arsenal and United. And, you know, perhaps without kicking a ball, Spurs can be well and truly safe um, or, or create some comfort 
um, should you know Arsenal slip up at Chelsea and, and United slip up? Well, not really slip up, but I think well, it was the fifth time I'm mentioning it, but United not getting any points against you know not just Liverpool but Arsenal as well would be the other one. Well, I must say this is the uh, the most depressed I've ever heard you going into a Liverpool game in my life uh, with you on the other side runs, but I understand where you're at. Um, but I want to say uh, to your point there, or to, should I say to Shaka Islop's point, Wade, going to these small, older grounds that, you know, they don't have these modern sort of revolutionized stadiums, it is a, it is a different proposition for teams. And it is a huge challenge when the fans feel like they're on top of you. And, you know, I think that connection gives it. So Spurs won't have it their own way um, at Brentford, that's for sure. Um, and with their run of fixtures that they do have, um, you know, they go on to play Leicester, Liverpool and Arsenal. So I think, you you know, you three guys involved in the, in the, in the top four battle, it's going down to the last game. And it's who can ultimately just, um, you know, create some sort of consistency weight. I guess I'll ask you this question like I do every every other second week. Are you confident? I believe that was Wade crying because he's not very confident there, Rad. So <laughs> sorry, my bad. Um, no, I think it is, you mentioned consistency. I think that's what it's going to come down to now. Um, you know, I was just mentioning the games that United have left there: Arsenal, Liverpool. Um, tough games coming up. Same with us, you know. We've got United, we've got Spurs, we've got Chelsea. So it's not just the Conte factor when it comes to Spurs. I think it's the schedule as well, which is in their favour. So um, it, it is going to come down to who can be most consistent now and, and I guess who can stay on the horse, really. Um, that's going to be the main thing. But um, it's just frustrating watching Spurs because I've, I've watched a bit of them this year and... You know, there's there's not too much of a difference um, watching them under Conte uh, when I was watching them under Nuno, even Jose Mourinho, because they're one of these teams that they can they struggle to create chances. Like I don't think they had any shots on target in the whole first half um, against Brighton. But you just know if if Son gets that chance or Kane gets that chance, they got a possibility of taking points from a game. Um, and that's, I guess, the most frustrating, especially from an Arsenal perspective, because you know we just don't have that. We're gonna, we, we almost have to score the perfect goal, um, and it's it's frustrating watching them. But yeah, there's still plenty more twists and turns to come. I think in the last few games, we've already seen that it's, it's changing week to week. We could have we could have ended up in seventh after this weekend if West Ham won. So. Um, you know, if you said that to me a couple of weeks ago when everyone was banging on about us being over to the top four, um, it wouldn't have seemed realistic. But things are changing week to week. So um, it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Wade, you got any comments on... Um, you, did you notice that there's been a, a recruitment or, sorry, a, an appointment by Arsenal for a consultancy firm to come in and change the culture at the club? You know, it's something that uh, your man Orni reported on a few hours ago. You know, what's what's your view on that? Yeah, I think um, after the whole Super League fiasco, the Arsenal Supporters Trust approached the the owners, had a meeting with them, and they laid out a whole lot of things in terms of what they would like to see from the club moving forward. And that's obviously big on the agenda. I think for all clubs, really, there's that disconnect between the community and, and fans, and it's, it, it, it gets bigger every year, you know? Players seem out of reach. They, they don't seem very accessible, and it creates a big disconnect, you know? And when you look at this whole push now in terms of, you know, online abuse, and, you know, after a player has a bad game, he's getting abused, his family's getting abused, and things like that. I think it's a good initiative. You know, I think there needs to be um, more of a connection between fans and players. They they, they should be more ac- accessible, you know, and I think that's going to, that'll change their culture. You're never going to stop it now because we're living in this world where, you know, uh, you know, people, people's reality is social media, right? So they're going to jump on there. They, they feel empowered to say whatever they want. So, I like it. I think it's good. Um, but I think the Kroenke's, they've got a lot of damage to repair. Because let's be honest, since they've been at the helm, the club's been, been declining. You know, that's that's just a fact. I don't think you can anyone can argue with that. I will say this, though. 
since they took full ownership in the last couple of years, they've spent a bit of money, you know, and that's a positive sign. The investment has been there. Um, you know, spending over $100 million this summer as well um, will go a long way. But for me, that's going to be the key thing is, is, um, is investment. We can't stop now. We've got a good base of young players, but I think anyone watching us can tell we're just lacking those couple of real quality players that can get us over the line in these situations. So it's a good initiative, um, you know, that, that, uh, that they've proposed. But they still need to continue to invest because ultimately we want to see results on the pitch, and that's gonna uh, that's gonna go a long way to repairing that relationship as well. If you've got success on the pitch, so I like it, but we need to see more still. No, really. A really interesting discussion, boys, and no doubt um, there'll be plenty to see as the the future unfolds over at Arsenal. I do want to shift gears, of course. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't a full fixture list. Um, we didn't get to dissect the game last week, but of course, we did have a rematch in the FA Cup, and there were obviously two games that took place this weekend with Chelsea and Crystal Palace and, of course, the, the Liverpool uh, City game. Now, I don't really want to analyse and talk in particular maybe about the game in, in, in instance, but I, I did want to play another clip for you guys from none other than your favorite, uh, Gab Marcotti. And he, he makes some interesting comments that I'm I'm sure will throw a cat amongst the pigeons here in this discussion. So I will hand it over to Gab, and uh, I would love to hear the comments of our pundits once they've heard this. Perspective, in terms of entertainment, this was this was one of the best games, I think, that we've seen in a, in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, managers who... May well be number you know number one and number two in the world. Two teams that might be the very best in the world. Now, so I don't I don't want to. What you're about to hear later, people morning out mistakes. Look, Augie even made an effort. He's wearing his pink shirt today, so he's trying to be more positive because you're, you're neutral on this one. Yeah. Um, so I just want to drive that point home that I think both these teams through 31 games are worthy Premier League champions. Mm-hmm. Only one of them is going to win it. Yeah. They're better than other teams that have won the Premier League in the past. <laughs> Whoever finishes second, I think that's, I think that's um, that's pretty much undisputed. That is undisputed. Now I know you guys love a bit of what Gab McCarty, but do you agree, Wade? What he said is that these two teams, irrespective of who wins the title, surpass any of the other Premier League winners to ever win the title. That is a huge thing, McCarty, and is respected. So I, I wanted to. To listen to what your guys' thoughts were on that matter, and and where do you think uh, his comments fall? Maybe start with yourself, Wade. Yeah, I think I think all of us have pretty much said from the start of the season that Liverpool and City are just a level ahead of anyone else, you know. So it's not really surprising to to hear Gab saying that. Um, I mean, there's well, definitely an did, argument. He did say all time. He's talking not just now. He's talking all time. There's an argument to be had there, for sure. I mean, we've spoken on the show a number of times about, um, you know, the points that City and Liverpool have put up over the last few years. And the, it's a whole new standard that's been set now, right? I mean, you pretty much have to be almost flawless if you're going to win um, the Premier League nowadays. And it's never been like that way. So there's definitely an argument to be had there. I, I think it's it's... It's hard to have these conversations in the moment. I think we need a bit of time to let this pass and then reflect back on it. And I, I think you can sort of make a, a better analysis or better judgment at that point. You know, we're in it right now, so everything is sort of magnified because, yeah. you know, we all have recency bias. We're watching it live, and it seems like it's the best thing ever. And look, maybe in a few years' time, people will still feel that way. They'll still look back at it and go, yeah, those were the two best teams that we've ever seen. It's a, it's a real possibility. You know, I mean, especially if you guys go on and win the quadruple, something that's never been done before. And, you know, with all the success that you have had as well over the last few years, it's, it's, there's definitely an argument to be had. I just feel like it's better to reflect on these sort of things as opposed to sort of saying it in the moment. Um, but... He makes good points. He makes good points. I think we've all known these two teams on another level, and they continue to set the ball extremely high. So um, I think there's definitely an argument to be had there, for sure. Rudd, your thoughts on the matter? I, I agree with a lot of things that both uh, Wade, 
and Gab say, I think it's it's just too difficult to compare errors. Um, I, I don't I don't agree with that. I think um, in different ways. I think about the Chelsea goals, I mean, the Chelsea team they conceded. What what was it? Less than fifteen 10 goals, goals or something like mm, that. I mean, those, I'm not sure that'll ever be supposed. Yeah, so you know, there's there's teams like that who you can have a genuine argument to say, you know, you know, where do they stand in terms of a, a single season and, and and whether that surpasses it. Even the, you know, as much as it burns me to say, but the Invincibles team, you know, we've spoken about about that in a few times and how difficult that is to go a season uh, undefeated. So I think that there's definitely an argument to be had there, but um, I'm not going to argue about them to being, you know. The, the two best in the in the country at the moment, and you can argue whether they're the best in the world. Um, you know, we'll see come the Champions League final, and they're like, both likely to be there. Um, and then we can we can well and truly say they're the best in the best team in Europe. Um, and and you know, the more you win trophies, the more like we said, you look back in a few years and say, damn, that was a step. Was that was one hell of a team? I guess a uh, really interesting point, Wade. We had a discussion in our in our messenger group, and you obviously brought up a, a, a statistic showing, you know, uh, most successful coaches in the Champions League with regards to points collected. Um, then came up with an argument of, you know, Liverpool might fall into this boat because obviously City will always, I guess, ultimately be there because of their endless resources. But, you know, in this particular era, you know, you take City out, Liverpool would be ultimately dominating everything. Unfortunately, you've got a team like City that is a juggernaut and to keep up with them as a challenge. But you made the point in the group about, is there more that deems success than just simply the trophy at the end of the day? Now, popular popular vote is going to say, no, you must have the trophy. Otherwise, it ultimately means nothing. But you made some valid points around, there's more to it. I'd like you to elaborate on that thinking and maybe, um, yeah, just explain that that concept a little bit more to the listeners. Yeah, I just think when you, you know, when you're talking about team sports, particularly, um, there's so many variables. So to judge individuals solely off whether you won or not, I think is a bit too simplistic, right? Um, you know, and, and whether that's managers or players, I suppose managers more so will be judged on on trophies. Um, but even if you look at players, and I was thinking about this example, I think I think we ultimately kind of have the same views on this, Connell, um, even though. It maybe took us a bit to get there, but you look at CVG, for example, right? Never yeah. won a Premier League um, the whole time he was playing. I mean, you, you, no one's going to say that, uh, you know, they would have rather had Darren Fletcher in the midfield, right? Yeah. Even though he won multiple trophies. So yeah. I just feel like when we're talking about team sports, it's very easy if you're talking about running, for example, right? Like sprinting. There's a guy yeah. who's the fastest in the world. That's his time. He's the best in the world. He's the best to ever do it. It's simple, right? But when you're talking about team sports and and all the other variables, who was the manager at the time? You know, you know, was it was it the best team that they were involved in? Did it suit that player's or manager's particular needs? Um, there's a lot of factors that come into it. So, I think while trophies obviously are going to be the 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 the, the overlying factor um, that everyone looks at you still have to give credit to other things like, you know, points accumulated, like, you know, how many goals particularly that that player score. Look at Harry Kane as another perfect example. For me, one of the best strikers we've seen in the Premier League. You know, real possibility that he's going to win no major trophies in, in his career. You know, does that put a stain on the player that he is? Um, just because he played in a Spurs team that, yeah, that were never really close to winning? So I think you have to take into consideration other factors. I'm interested to get Radza's thoughts on this because he was very quiet while we were having this back and forth. But I just think when we're talking about team sports, it needs to be a more holistic view as opposed to just who won it and who didn't. Um, but that that's just my standpoint on it, yeah. Before you jump in there, Radza, uh, to Wade's point, how do you define success? It's like it's like that question we had last week, right? You know, I kind of threw a, a bit of an ambiguous question in saying, how do you define a rivalry? You know, what, how do you define it? Because success is going to be defined in the individual again, which is subjective. So, is Wade on a on a on a point here, or do you think he's talking absolute nonsense? And it's at the end of the day, if you play for one of the big clubs, the only thing that deems success 
is winning the trophy. Everything else is irrelevant. Yeah, if you're playing for the big clubs. But I think um, if you go back a few years, you know, Liverpool weren't in the Champions League. Um, so, you know, Liverpool getting back into the Champions League was a success at that point. So, you know, there, there is a different barometer depending on where you are. So, you know, like if you, as silly as it sounds, if you're not to get into, you know, a, a success this season, and United are a big club. Um, I get what Wade's saying in terms of the body of work and there's more to say, but, you know, we're talking about cup competitions and I, I was quiet because I was on the beach. Um, and <laughs> I, I came late. I came late to the, the argument. It was no point me, you know, trying to um, go cover over old ground. But, you know, cup competition is cup competition. I think I do like if you were looking at the amount of wins and points to will sort of tell you how many wins a manager's had in a cup competition. I think that that talks to how, how good they are in that, in that type of competition. You know, you're talking about the success or, or lack of success of of Kane, you know, you could you can compare that to Klopp, sorry, sorry not Klopp, Pep at um, Man City, and not winning a Champions League. I mean, he could finish his career there without winning it, despite making a final and making it to semi-finals, um, and winning, you know, quite comfortably all the way through and being the favourite to win the champ the Champions League on a number of seasons and and not winning it. So, and I mean, that could be, that could be seen as a as a failure tenure. of his tenure. You know? Exactly. So, in a you know, weird, and this is the weird world we live in, though. Yeah. And it is, but I, I think if you look at the body of work, you know, I'd, I'd say Spurs making the Champions League final and not winning it actually, you know, it's a huge I success. think that's a, it's a huge success on the budget they had at the time. Never been there. But there was, yeah. Like you know, there, there's there, there is uh, so I'm disagreeing and agreeing with Wade because there's there's things that you need to consider. So I think for it's very cut and dry for the big clubs. It's cut and dry for um, Man City, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, PSG on what, what success looks like, right? But all those teams underneath that, success can mean different things depending on what the situation of the club is at the moment and what the, the, the you know, what the longer-term goals are. So, you know, the body of work uh, does come become important. And I think if you look at the body of work that Klopp has had, you know, he, he'll finish his tenure in what's it two years he's got left um, before he walks away from Liverpool? Yeah, but he'll finish, and you, you, you could, uh, there'll be a real argument to say he's the best foreign manager to ever coach in the league, given the body of work that he's had in the short and the amount of time he's been there. So, you know, I think you know, I buy into that body of work thing as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it raises a lot of valid arguments. It's always hard in a cup competition because at the end of the day, that. The cup is a little bit of a lottery. Um, I'd also argue that in the Champions League group games, in most years, there are a lot of poor teams that are there. So collecting points is almost for the big teams. And although people like Wenger and even Fergie and some of the big managers have massive allocation of really the ultimate thing of a um, of the Champions League is the knockout phase. Yeah. I think in a league, you take that into to context more. So when you look at, for example, this period we're in now, and it's one in these two teams over four years or whatever that ludicrous statistic is, where the league is about allocating points, I think that's a completely different argument. Um, so I do agree on certain uh, factors of it. Rads, I like the way you said those um, six supposedly big teams that know what success are and the rest of us plebs don't know how to define success. That was a nice little comment there. But the reality is if you play for one of the big clubs and that includes Liverpool, Arsenal, you now have the, the City and, and Chelsea, at the end of the day, maybe for is qualifying for the Champions League. In 20 years, you're not watching a video of Arsenal and the season they had in 2004 to qualify for the Champions League. So success will always be defined for those big clubs as the end result. Was it a trophy? Yes. So when did you win the FA Cup, Rods? Um, uh, sorry, Wade, it was two seasons ago? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I might get a video of that in a few years' time, talking about that particular achievement. What you won't get is if Arsenal fought this year, in 20 years' time, talking about the success of the 2021-22 season. So, unless there's a turning point, Connell. So, if oh. the Champions League is a turning point, 
that will be in the DVD to say, well, I think this moment, if you're telling the story and, and it kicks yeah. on, I just talking about that singular person, yeah, on the body of work of Oteta and talking about bodies of work, you're 100% right. You have to look at the person's and team whether that's the DVD or not. But certainly, can I, just add, can I just add one thing just on like on the whole, yeah, you know, ultimately it is going to be winning the cup, right? But I would say, us going to the Bonabao, I think it was in 2009, maybe. Um, going there and beating Real Madrid at home. I think at the time we were the first English club to actually do that. That's a success, a success story within the Champions League, you know. Even though we didn't go on to win it, we went to the San Siro. I think we won 5-0 um, as well. Another massive success. So you have those things along the way, I think, that add to the story. And that's why I made the comparison, Connell, when we were talking about it, to say, you know, Roberto Di Matteo won a Champions League. Like, does that make him a better manager than Arsene or more successful in the Champions League than Arsene because he had a good six-month spell? You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an ongoing conversation, but I think there can still be success stories within a season, even though you you don't ultimately win the cup. And I think that kind of speaks to what Rads was saying. It's situational, you know? you got to take in, you got to take all factors into consideration, but it's an interesting argument. You, yeah, you might have moments, but Rads, I want to ask you that exactly that he just brought up. So, I mean... Okay, let's not argue. Di Matteo versus Wenger, there's no comparison of manager. But if you look back in history, Di Matteo is more successful than Arsene Wenger in the Champions League. Is that a statement? I think that's a fact based on if you're talking about success as a trophy. Um, And I think most people will say, who's the most successful Champions League manager? You'll say... Is it Carlo Ancelotti? Well, they'll just, li- yeah. yeah. yeah um, they'll list off so from the most. He's one of the most trophies. Yeah. yeah, so I think ultimately, unfortunately for Vega, that's the way it is. But if you talk about who was a better manager in the Champions League, um, you'd probably say Wenger was. Um, because yeah. then you take into consideration 10-year amount of time. I mean, that Chelsea team coached themselves, and that's been... Really I don't think Di Matteo did much, yeah. Yeah, so, so you know, I think... Um, on a fact basis, um, you know, you say, yep, he's a more successful. But if you say, who, who's a better Champions League manager overall? Um, yeah, I think it's, you'd have to say Wenger. Yeah, I think, I think you're, that, that is definitely not um, up for dispute at all. Before we move, I did want to touch on a, a couple of responses we got from last week's show. You know, what defines a rivalry? I think a couple of couple of sound bites in the group there um, from our main man over in uh, South Africa, Grant. You know, he said it uh, quite clearly. He never wants to ever agree with me. But in this instance, he, he did. He said, uh, you are 100% correct on the rivals. The others are 100%. Well, he went on to say, I'm 100% correct on the rivals. The others are 100% incorrect. I think if you say I'm 100%, then <laughs> the other comments, is, it just goes without saying. <laughs> but, you know, our, our madman Grant, he, he, loves a, he loves a bit of debate. But he, he did message me. He said to me at the end of the day, he sees it as a competitive rivalry. There's no hatred, but it's a rivalry in a different context. I also had, um, of course, uh, Greg Champion, who listens every week to us on, on the show. He sent a message through and he said, uh, guys, what a comeback. Was wondering what happened. He did say, Wade, he was very sorry to hear about your COVID and it seems to have really affected you. But you've come back with a bang and even more gone into Riyadh's corner. This is the first time I've heard you so much um, in Riyadh's corner and disagreeing with Connell. You know, happy Easter. The banter, but uh, yeah, a couple comments there from our listeners. Uh, Wade, he, he, what happened last week? There was a lot of agreement with Rads. I felt I don't know, maybe uh, I'm starting to sympathize with him now, considering <laughs> how the season's changed. For us. Now, let me say something now. You know, I feel like every week I'm, like, okay, I'm the one that's in his, in his arguments with you all, too, and I'm like. Hey. <laughs> 
man, I think it's the recent results, man. I made me sympathize with our guy a bit more. So, um, yeah, that's probably yeah. what's happened. I'm taking a softer approach. Doing the same rut as me, Wade. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> they found a common ground. You heard it first, yeah. Keep, keep the comments coming, guys. We do. Of course, you can catch us, as I've always said, on all our socials, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can catch all our episodes on and um, Apple, of course, which is our number one streaming service right now. We are going to shift gears. Of course, it is the most important aspect right now, and we're going to go across to our trivia man. <laughs> so, Connell, tell me, did you able to fact-check the scores from last week? I was. And and give us an update then. And what, I, what, what? I can confirm that I was actually one point ahead. So that means you are now two points ahead. If, if, if my math serves me right. I'm sorry, Wade, but... I'm going to say you come to that, Wade. Does that sound right? I'm going to have to fact check that fact check and then uh, <laughs> I get back. I know about that. <laughs> no, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. So we've got uh, quick hits for you this week. Uh, we know how that works. So I'll ask you guys the question. Quickest one to call it out um, gets the gets the point. Um, so we'll we'll go straight into it. Which manager moved to his eleventh semi of his career, making it? It is Tuchel. Wow, Wade is straight on the blocks. Straight out the blocks. <laughs> Internet's working hundreds of <laughs> No issues. No issues today, boy. Who scored their first goal since 2020, which was a goal for Fulham against Everton? Sorry, so the, this goal originally was Fulham against Everton? In no, the last time they scored was, it, was, was for in that Fulham. game. But they scored this weekend. Right. Who scored their first goal since 2020, which was at that point a game for Fulham? Mm. I can't even remember the score. I don't even think of the games. All right. FA Cup game. It, It was an FA Cup game? Yes. I can't even think of the scorers from the weekend. <laughs> oh, it was an FA Cup game from this weekend. Yes. There were only two of them, by the I way. know. Oh, it was um, Loftus-Cheek. <laughs> it was Loftus-Cheek. Jesus. Oh, All right. Took me long uh, enough. Who scored the latest goal in Premier League record since 2006? I think I thought Connor was going to nail that because in his intro he spoke about the but two late goals goal. from, yeah, no. from Newcastle. My brain. Who scored their first headed goal in 35 appearances? Canata. No. So it's the Premier League goal. Gumerish. It is not Gumerish. <laughs> Suchek? No. Nope. I'm trying to remember the games. I don't even know what games. Ronaldo? No, Ronaldo scores a few He scores headers endless. Yeah, he does too. Shit, I don't know, man. Um... All right, I'll give you the game. Trossard? Not Trossard. It is... (laughs) The West Ham and Burnley game. Vegost. Vegost. Shit. That is Vegost. That's his first headed goal. The guy's like That's 18 feet tall. The guy's like seven foot. Yeah. <laughs> He's massive. He's massive. Isn't that funny? Like, I was thinking of his, I knew his name because he scored. I'm like, there's no way that guy hasn't scored a headed goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's such an interesting sort of fact that, uh, you know, big boy. 
Who conceded their 23rd set-piece goal of the season, which was actually their 13th corner conceded? Leicester. Oh, it has to be Leicester. So, Schmeichel. Did you want the player or the team? No, it was Leicester. So, Wade Wade gets that one. Half a point for Schmeichel. (laughs) (laughs) How many times have Liverpool reached both the FA and League Cup finals? 15. Uh -uh, It's way more. Both the FA. So we're talking about both finals in the same season. Oh, so sorry, not... you didn't say that. Oh, all right. So both finals in the same season. Yeah. Eight. No, it's. Uh, no, it's I think it's like that. three, four. So I will take the answer of three by Connell. Yeah. Who made a 300th appearance for Man United? Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Not Ronaldo. <laughs> Not the greatest. Not the Not the Not Matic. Pogba. Not Pogba. Rashford. Was that Rashford? Yeah. That is correct. You'll finally get there. I think you've gone through about twelve United players. No, that was all him guessing. I was just. <laughs> <laughs> Strategic. <laughs> so, so the opposite end to the Leicester spectrum, who scored their 19th goal from a corner this season? United. Not United. No, they should have. United gone. lucky if they got two, I think. I know, they're one of the worst in the league. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not Bright. Bright. Brentford? Not Brentford. Watford? Southampton. Not, not Southampton. West Ham. No. Not West Ham. Norwich? Not Norwich, not Burnley. Of course, yes. everyone. Whoever we kissed. Uh, Newcastle. Newcastle. Leicester. Watford. 19 goal from a corner this season. A player or a team? A team. Watford. No. Burnley. No. Oh, no. what? Norwich. No. Oh, we've kissed everyone. Man United. United. Not Man United. There's no one left, Bryson. Right. You guys got a pass? Got a pass on this one? But there's nobody left. We guessed everyone that scored. All right, I'll give you guys the answer. It is Liverpool. Oh, oh. far out! We're thinking the no, league. I didn't say in the Premier League. You I didn't. said the 19th goal from a corner this season. We didn't listen. Yes, you are right. Yeah. All right. Who became the longest-serving manager in the Premier League? Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> All right, and final question. Hang on, what's the scores? Should I be neck and neck this one, isn't it? Look, it's four. I've four got eight. it wrapped up. Five for Connell. Wade's got to get this one. Otherwise, you're going to have to come up with a tiebreaker. Who booked the European semi? For the first time, West Ham. Villarreal. Oh, West Ham. Oh, my lord. It is West Ham. <laughs> so we will go into we need a tiebreaker. We will go. All right. Has he got so earlier, earlier, I spoke about Liverpool reaching their third league and FA Cup finals in the same season. Chelsea, Thomas Tuchel. No, the, answer, the question I'm asking: Can you name at least one of the other two seasons Man United. that they reached both the both the League Cup? 2000, and 2000, 2001. 2000, 2001. I give that one to Connell. I think Wade, Wade did too and much. The other year was, the other year was 2012, 2013. I think. You can't you can't have a tiebreak on a Liverpool question. What nonsense! <laughs> Liverpool history for the tiebreaker. Yeah, look. Unfortunately, and I, I get your point, but unfortunately, like the questions are from the weekend's games, and that was a big one this week. Fair enough, fair so enough. I've got to make sure, like uh, you know, it's it is what it is. I'm definitely not complaining with the Liverpool tiebreaking question. Yeah. But, but in saying that, there were a few Liverpool ones you didn't get this week. So true, normally true. Liverpool ones are the ones that throw him out. I know, I know. We also made, he has a, he has a fun fact, we made the first time 
Champions League, League Cup, and FA Cup semi-finals. First time in the history. Which actually goes to show the extent of this team when I consider the 70s and 80s team. So, tell you what, I keep telling Liverpool supporters, this will not last forever. So, enjoy it while we can, because this is certainly great times. Well, it certainly sounds like you were enjoying it on the on Saturday night, Donald. You in oh, top yeah. form. <laughs> just going back to the question about success, right? If Liverpool finished the season with the League Cup and a Champions League final without winning it, obviously FA Cup final and finish one point behind in the Premier League, you see the season as success, don't you? You see that deafening silence. I don't think you'd have, have to win a major, major trophy, yeah. Sean, for you to consider at least one major trophy for it to be a successful season, Connell. Like considering where you're at now. Now you took you took the words out of my mouth. For for me, as I'm gonna, I'll put you on mute, Wade. But for me, I always said the season because last season I've always put down to what it was, and I've made that very clear. Liverpool were not dead. It was just what it was. This season, I said, we had one of the major trophies in Klopp's reign. It has to be either one built off the team that we have now. I expect us to compete Premier League and Champions League every season and come out with at least one of those trophies because this is the, the period that we're in, right? In this mm-hmm. moment in time, we are at peak tro- uh, Klopp phase. So I'm, I'm expecting. So if we finish the season with a League Cup, and we don't come out with one of those two other trophies, it's not a success. It's a very good season and close, but my expectation is I'm concerned about the league because that's out of our hands. The, the, the Champions League now is probably where I'm... I'll tell you right now, I want to win the league more than anything else. So I'm happy to forego the Champions League in City. If I could have a negotiation with Pep Guardiola, I'd say, mate, take the Champions League, goodbye. We'll take the league. However, the league is actually out of our hands. The Champions League is fully in our control in the sense that we just got to win our games. We can win all our games in the Premier League and come out second. And I've got to accept that. So to answer your question, no. Winning a League Cup and finishing runners-up in the rest would not be success in the context of what I think we should be winning this year. It's it's tough, but like, because, you know... It's very tough. It's very tough. Cup competition, you know... If I'm a coach, from a coach perspective, getting a team to the cup final, you know, is as good as you can can hope for. It is as good. Because yeah. when you play a cup final, things can go either way. You know, a, a final is you know one of those things that we love watching because it can be so unpredictable, and the 100%. best team doesn't always win in those games. So, you know, I think it'll be. I get what you're saying, but three finals. And a, and a point behind the Premier League. I mean, on the cusp. But this is the margin between season. greatness and, like, what could have been, you know? Yeah. I, I keep saying to, like, my brother, uh, you know, he's also a listener of the Chasse team. And I, I've been saying it to Liverpool supporters. The quadruple is extremely unlikely. However, mm-hmm. as a fan, you know, deep down, you've got this element of belief and hope that if you actually pull this off, I'm not sure there's any argument that can be had from anybody in any team about that level. You're talking about entering every competition. I believe Barcelona did that one year, and that was under Pep, where they won every competition they entered. Yeah. That, and least of all, really, with City's billions, that you know, they've never even come close to actually, well, they've come probably, I think, to this week, actually, where they were on for, for Liverpool and did that, that, that's out of this world kind of stuff that will probably never be matched. So you're on the cusp of greatness. It would be a, it would be a shame to like take levels back and be like, yeah. that was a good season. You know? An interesting comment you made earlier about, you know, if it wasn't for Pep Guardiola, you know, what Liverpool would be doing. But if it wasn't for Klopp, you know, what, what could Pep and this Man City team achieve? You know, okay. there's there's some trophies and some knockouts that you know knockout blows. So I think of the FA Cup on the weekend. I think of the Champions League a couple the of years Champions, back. Yeah. You know, you know what what could City have done? So I think it does work both ways there. And that again, that that ties. Although you guys don't see it as that way, it's a different type of 
But that's what makes that rivalry between these two members in particular so great to watch because your point, if Klopp wasn't around, the league wouldn't even be a competition. We'd be sitting here talking, quite frankly, it would be like PSG, what PSG are doing in France. That is how far ahead City are in terms of the rest of the league. It is just by some miracle with Klopp, Liverpool have even kept close to that level of execution because what he has done there at City is set a whole new level and this is what you've got to do to keep up. So to your point, they are perfect adversaries that push each other to their limits. And we're seeing that now when one team was on for a treble and the other's on for quadruple. Like, it's, it's actually crazy stuff. But Raz, I just hope in a few weeks when you ask me that question again, it's not just a League Cup in the cabinet because <laughs> it will be highly upsetting. Highly upsetting. <laughs> now I just need United to roll over and play dead in a couple of days, and that'll be. Well, that'll be what great. what is your prediction there for 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 the game? Man, I don't know. You guys are all over the shop. Um, I think back to the five 0 in the first half of the season. I'm like, surely United are going to try and stop us. In my mind, like, if there's one thing they can get from the season, it's to screw Liverpool over, and. This is their moment. They don't have to do anything else. You know, like you said, they're making the top four is like a going to be a minor miracle. I'm just not sure if if Ragnik. I don't know if the hunger's there within that squad of players to even care about that. I don't know. I don't know if that that factor's still there, and I don't know if Ralph Ragnik's going to be going. We've got to go into this Liverpool game with, you know, it's the biggest right. The dude is there to do a job and to change the way they're playing. So whether you're playing Liverpool or Norwich, he's still going to employ the same principles. Well, so, he basically said after the Norwich game is if we play like that, we will get nothing from Liverpool game. So, you know, I think if that's any indication of, of what, what's to come, it is, it is interesting. So you want to see as a fan, you know, there were protests on the weekend from United supporters about the ownership. And I know... Wade was complaining about the Cronkies and how little they've invested. I don't think you quite understand how bad United is, whereas they've not invested at all. They've just taken out of the club. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's the complete opposite. And, you know, United are in decline because of, of their ownership. United have gone from being best in class in everything, and that includes the stadium, the training facilities, etc., to, you know, barely mid-table in terms of what the other some of the other clubs can offer in terms of their facilities and, and, and the structure around them. And then that filters through to to the first team. So, you know, it, it's it's an interesting sort of atmosphere. I mean, the fans will be behind because of Liverpool, but you know, I, th- I think the staunchest of fan um, going into this game is, is pretty downbeat. downbeat. Um, you know, you've got Liverpool that are on a high after making it into a semi and a final and, you know, beating Man City on the weekend and playing in for pretty much every single trophy, as you spoke about earlier, and United playing for nothing. It's like the worst case scenario. And it'll just be another, adding another bit of salt in the wounds when, um, you know, in Liverpool walk, like I, I can't see United getting anything. I, I, I think Liverpool are in just, they're in a really good spot. I know there have been a few games where Liverpool haven't played well and got a result, um, but I think you'll see Liverpool play well against United. Yeah. I mean, my head tells me it's, it's one-way traffic and it's at Anfield. And if we're on song, United are not coming close, Ronaldo or not. Um, but I still historically hold on to those old battles. And even at our poorest, we gave United a hell of a go and a lot of those games at Anfield, you never came away with anything. So... There's that part, but I think we're in a different phase here. And if you, if I had to put money on it, it's I'm putting all my savings on Liverpool winning on on Wednesday. Um, I, I'm God, there's always something with United, and I just hope it's not that game that he decides to turn up for. Um, either way, it is a massive week ahead, and by the time we get back on on board next week, gents, I think a clearer picture is going to be painted, maybe somewhat. You know, Liverpool play United. Chelsea play Spurs, followed by Arsenal and United as the headline fixture, followed by um, Liverpool and Everton. So there's so much happening in terms of the big teams playing each other that this time next week, it could be a very different conversation we're having about not only the top of the table, 
but the top four as well. So mm. we'll have to wait and see how that all plays out. Unfortunately, that does bring us to an end of another show, ladies and gentlemen, and we do thank you for listening in, sending your comments, liking our posts, and of course, following What The Football Podcast on Apple and Podbean, where you can catch all our episodes of Season 4, as well as all our previous seasons on the app. Remember to like our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages at What The Football Pod. It's been a pleasure bringing you another episode of What The Football. From me, Conway T, Rudds, and Wade, we'll see you next week and enjoy the Premier League football. (laughs) 